Hello, I'm Mark Weaver, president of Mark Weaver & Associates Interior Design. I'd like to invite you to our Instagram Live series called Designers at Home. It's every other Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. It's a casual, informative, and exclusive discussion with renowned architects, interior designers, and artists from around the world. This half-hour podcast program is a recording of the live talk addressing all things design and architecture related, along with personal anecdotes and inspiration. Guests have included Emmy-nominated set decorator Peter Gursky, one of America's leading sculptors, Sabin Howard, renowned architect and artist Leo Marmel, and art advisor extraordinaire Barbara Guggenheim. We look forward to you joining us. Thank you. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Designers at Home. I'm Mark Weaver. My guest today is Rebecca Anderson. Rebecca is the Director of Development for Lotus Land located in Montecito, California. Uh, For those of you who, I know many of you have visited Lotus Land, but for those of you who have not, Lotus Land is a um, botanical wonderland that was left to the community of Santa Barbara by um, opera singer and socialite Gana Walska. Now, um, before we explore Lotus Land and all its wonders, I want to give you a little background on our guest, Rebecca. She'll be joining us shortly. Uh, Rebecca has been working for the last two decades leading fundraising initiatives and campaigns in strategic partnerships between the public and private sectors and raising tens of millions of dollars for the betterment of the community. Her commitment to um, Lotus Land grew from her background in nonprofit service and her passion for connecting people with causes that advance endeavors to make our community and world more beautiful and more sustainable. We're going to ask Rebecca to join us. Rebecca received her BA from the University um, of California at Santa Cruz and her MA in organizational management from Antioch University. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Rebecca? I'm well, how are you this morning? That's a great setting behind you. Obviously, this is Lotus Land. This is Lotus so. Land. Welcome. I'll, I'll scoot over and turn my camera just a tad here so you can see. Um, this is just a sneak peek. There's much more in store for those who visit. Yeah, that's great. It's spectacular. Um, I was just giving them a little bit of your background. And um, I think it's very admirable that there are people like you that contribute to um, causes like this and to the community. It's very admirable. So thank you. Uh, and thank you for joining us, Rebecca. Rolled it begin. I'm honored. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So Lotus Land um, is home to more than 3,000 different types of plants from around the world. And it's considered one of the top 10 botanical gardens in the world, right? Correct. Yeah, we've earned that distinction numerous times by by lots of different uh, judges, if you will. But the most recent was USA Today, who did a reader's poll of the the top 10 botanic gardens in the country. And by popular vote, we were named number six on that list uh, just several months ago. Well, that's quite a coup. So before we get into exploring Lotus Land, 
I, I read something recently about um, Ganawalska, and I thought it would be, if I could just read these uh, few sentences, I thought it would be interesting to learn a little bit about this incredible woman who created Lotus Land. So Ganawalska, Portraits of an Era. This book offers a rich visual survey of times gone by, along with personal insight into the life of an extraordinary personality. Through her niece's remembrances and rarely seen images, Madame Ganawalska's story springs to life and reads like a Hollywood movie. Throughout her long life, with endless energy and a lively intelligence, Ganawalska pursued a love of beauty, music, self-realization, and personal fulfillment. Challenging traditional roles and behavior at a time when it took great courage for women to live on their own terms she cultivated influential friendships in Europe and America. Her social and professional commitments brought her in close contact with musical luminaries, artists, writers, politicians, financiers, actors, and international royalty. Ultimately, her life's journey led her to California, and after decades of collaboration with notable landscape designers and skilled gardeners, she realized her greatest dream. Living a legacy, leaving a legacy behind the world-class gardens of Lotus Land. So I thought that was a brief summary. And I think you have handy, Rebecca, um, yeah. the book. We have this beautiful book that just came out. This is written by Madam Sneeze, Hanya Talmadge. And it does chronicle her life through the portraits that were made of her. It's called Portraits of an Era. We have an exhibit that we debuted when the book came out early this year and of course had to close when the garden closed, which we'll talk more about. We're reopened now and we're thrilled that the exhibit is back open uh, on a limited basis. So please check with your visit and make certain if you'd like to see it that your, your tour coincides with its opening. Good. And, and Lotus Land is currently open. Um, yeah, I just had a visit there a couple of weeks ago. So in spite of um, all the shutdowns and everything, you are open on a limited basis, correct? Yes, in fact, we have exciting news. We've, we've been open seasonally since 1993 when we first opened to the public. Right. Uh, what's happened in recent months is not only did we reopen after the COVID closures that we all experienced in March and April. And that was initially brought with permissions of Santa Barbara County who deemed Lotus Land as an outdoor recreation space essential, which we couldn't agree more. We're thrilled uh, to have, have been given that permission. So we reopened pretty quickly in a new way. We have put on hold our docent-led tours, which historically is how you would have seen the garden on your first visit, especially. We, we have a two-hour walking tour that is traditionally led by a volunteer docent who is trained and um, skillful in, in retelling the story of not only Madam's life and, and how she came to acquire the property and uh, some of her rich history, but of course about the plant collections and each garden. So those are, are on hold at the moment, and we are instead offering self-guided tours with some new technology as an assist 
we've put into the garden uh, placards with a QR code, you know, the, the mm -hmm. uh, feature on it that you can access from the camera on your phone. So what's nice about this is you explore on your own, which of course is a, a rare treat normally. And, uh, and in any of the gardens, you can hold up your phone if you so choose, and it links to a page that will pop up into your, your phone's browser and tells you all about the artifacts in that garden, the particular plant collections in that garden. Um, so it's, it's different for us, but it's working really, really well. Right, and there are also art docents around, placed around the garden to answer questions and to help you. And I found that really um, helpful and interesting. We have, we've-, we've A lot of volunteers. Our docents as garden attendants. So they're now stationed right. and, and they can offer uh, helpful, interesting information as you navigate the garden. And then the last piece I'll say about the, the opening this winter is that the county now has given us a further extension, which is to be open this winter for the first time. And that's really, you know, in part to recoup on some of our closures, but, but more in the interest of public access. And uh, we're thrilled. We'll be open Friday and Saturday, certainly through uh, January and then We'll close for, for two weeks to uh, take stock and, and do some inventory and things, and then reopen January 14th with a three-day-a-week schedule, and then bump back up to our, our four, four days in the spring. Okay, wonderful. So, Rebecca, tell us a little bit about the, um, before we explore the gardens, um, tell us a little bit about the history of Lotus Land. So Lotus Land is so unique and so special because of its history, which predates Madame Walska. The property was originally called Tanglewood, and it was owned by a man named Ralph Kitten Stevens. He was a nurseryman, and so he had some of the plants that remain here today, which is part of what's so special about this garden is there are, uh, there's age and wisdom in our, in our landscape that mm -hmm. can't find with a, a newer garden. So we have uh, olives, citrus, plants that date back to the 1880s. And oh. then, of course, um, there were, were different chapters and, and eras of history here. So following Stephen's time and tenure, a family named the Gavit family came and built all of the architecture that you see on the property today. Uh, Spanish With some very notable architects also. Absolutely. The, Johnson um, designed the, the main home, which is now our administrative offices. Uh -huh. Quite a nice office to work in. And George Washington Smith right. worked as his successor and did some additions and outbuildings and um, and actually the pavilion where Madame Walska chose to live. That's a fun fact is she didn't live in the big house. She preferred the uh, about 1200 square foot apartment, if you will. Um, and that's where we, we host exhibits today. So if you right. visit the exhibit, you'll see her, her space. Great. So, um... Now, should we take a little tour through Lotus Land and talk about the gardens? Yes, let's. Yeah. So um, there is, um, tw what is it? There's 20 themed gardens here? At least. You know, it's so funny. One of the things that I love is 
Lotus Land's whimsical and well, it's a scientific center. There's a lot of quirky um, features to it. And one of them is no one can quite agree on how many themed gardens we have. So <laughs> there, there are between 20 and 25, depending on if you count right. our center area, which is our Australian garden. Um, our orchard can count as a garden, but yes, there's uh, distinct spaces that you encounter as you navigate the garden. So these gardens, um, because of the expanse, require a lot of care. And um, I remember hearing that one of the gardeners that is currently there was working with um, Madame Walska and is still there today. We do. We're so lucky that we have a, a handful of people who knew Madame and, and a couple who are still actively involved. In fact, Mike Ferner, who you're thinking of, was yes, Mike. who was, was hired by Madame Walska and has had a number of roles here, as you can imagine, over the 42 years he's worked with us. Um, and he now is our part-time bromeliad garden gardener and our bromeliad garden is like no other bromeliad garden you will encounter anywhere. It's really uh, a masterpiece that she created and he has tended and embellished and, and loved um, with his care for, for many, many years. We have, you know, just absolute dense um, plantings and, and diversity in our collection that you would never encounter in that kind of proximity, uh, certainly in the wild, but, but really in other botanic gardens as well. Yeah, and also Santa Barbara has um, the entire area of that coastal area is so great for growing. I mean, if you can't grow it there, it's not going to grow anywhere. It's, um, it's very conducive to um, wonderful plant life. So wonderful. over the years, or I guess um, uh, some of the original um, landscape architects that Madame worked with were very notable. Lockwood DeForest, Joseph Knowles, um, to name a couple of them. She really did. So she was the head designer. Make yes. No yes. <laughs> she was always in control. She really was. And, and it's one of the things I love most about this garden is she pushed against any kind of convention to create a very dramatic landscape and one that is most artistic. Um, I haven't seen another botanic garden that rivals it in terms of design and uniqueness and, and playfulness. Um, mm -hmm. She pushed the envelope, but she had fun while she did it. So she did in, engage many different designers along the way. And, and yet, you know, she would assert her own vision. And the wonderful story with Lockwood DeForest is up in the very front of the house, there is a signature collection of golden barrel cactuses. Those are the round uh, right. cacti that are often called uh, a mother-in-law's seat. They're, they're, uh, they're, Oh, and round is almost like a, an ottoman. And so she mass planted them against the house with these incredible weeping euphorbia, uh, cast, you know, cascading down above them. And Lockwood DeForest pushed back as the story goes and said, you know, it's really not appropriate nor welcoming to have cactus in front of your, your front door. And she said, 
no, you know, this is, this is it. This is what we're doing. And there is a letter of congratulations that we have, you know, from Lockwood to Forest after, uh, after her success in planting this saying how right she was. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the cacti um, and the gardens there are remarkable walking through the cactus garden. I think there's two cactus gardens. And, True. Right. And I know walking through one because of the scale of it and the scale of the, of the plants is just otherworldly. Yeah, the newer cactus garden is a wonderful story as well. And actually, we are doing a Lessons from Lotusland Zoom webinar that details how that collection came to be. Uh, so I encourage people to, to watch and learn. That's our curator, Paul Mills. And I'm looking here, it's on Monday. Um, so Monday at 6 p.m., Paul will be taking over our, uh, our Zoom, and you can find that on our website. And telling the story of how the Dunlap collection came to Lotusland, it's the only plant collection we have that was gifted in its entirety and built out here per Madam's invitation. She, she organized it during her lifetime, um, but sadly didn't see it in its place uh, today. Yeah, and just transporting that garden alone must have been a remarkable feat. It's a wonderful, wonderful yeah. chronicle. So I encourage you to hear Paul tell the story. He was the one who did it. And uh, yes, it was no small feat. <laughs> right. So um, also, you know, walking, I, I recently visited Lotus Land. I had some guests and um, I had suggested this. They're, they're in the garden and landscaping business and they were just completely blown away by the two hours that we spent there and they're looking forward to another visit and I know um, one of the gardens that I was looking at is the Cycad garden which I thought was very interesting and I just recently ac acquired some Cycads for my garden so I was I was sort of encouraged to see how they were planted and situated in, in Lotus Land. Our Cycad Garden is our most significant collection. It is one of the best in the world. It is uh, the story that, that we tell, you know, is that this was really Charlie Glass, who was Madam's lead gardener and, and really curator, mm -hmm. who worked alongside her for decades here building Lotus Land in her lifetime. So she acquired the garden in 1941. She passed away in 1984. So they spent decades in between building each of these themed gardens, one to the next to the next. And Charlie Glass said to, to Madame Wolska, this Cycad garden will be uh, the crowning achievement of this garden. And, and he was right. So we're doing cutting edge conservation work with South Africa, Thailand. Um, these plants often now are extinct in the wild and, and our collection is preserving many of those and repatriating them to their country of origin. Well, that's um, interesting, yeah. Fascinating work. It's really, we just wrote this grant to National Geographic that um, I hope we are successful in receiving and, and what it would allow us to do is have a assurance colony of small new cycads here, you know, they, they can be pollinated by hand and they are, and that's how mm -hmm. we bring them back. So we need a safe growing space to, to do that. And, and 
we have the ability with some seed that we have collected um, with the expert hand of, of our curation team and, and research associates and friends in the field to where we capitalize on an every 10 year um, pollination opportunity to, to create some of these rare plants. So Madam built the collection by selling a million dollars worth of her jewels. She had an incredible jewelry collection, um, some of which is still being auctioned today. So the, there was just a Cartier auction of a bracelet that was hers and she designed all of her own jewelry um, or would purchase it and re redesign it. So for people who are interested in the jewels, there's a lot online that's fascinating about her. You know, it's so wonderful when you think about um, how many people really have the opportunity to live their dream. And here you have somebody who is probably somewhat eccentric, no doubt. And um, she, this is, was, was her passion. And she sold off important things like her jewelry to buy plants. How many people would do that? I mean, and she left an, a remarkable um, gift to the community and a, an incredible legacy. I think it's, I think it's thrilling and, and to see somebody who will pretty much give up everything to live their dream. And, and that's her, her defining statement in her estate plan, which we have engraved on the wall of honor when you arrive at Lotus Land. Is, it was her dream to gift this to the community and beyond the world as a resource for inspiration and education. And she succeeded in that beyond, I'm sure, her wildest dreams. I mean, I, I think um, you know, the world has become much smaller in many ways. And, and so right has has really become wide and i i just think she's looking down on us and probably very delighted with her gardens i know oh, she'd be thrilled i know so you know um one of my favorite gardens is the water garden and um i'm also a resident of montecito so walking around the gardens i was wondering it takes a tremendous amount of care i think lotus land is comprised of what 37 acres we have 37 acres, uh -huh. 25 of them are cultivated for, for public tours and, and enjoyment. So we have an incredible team of, of garden staff, a very hardworking team. Right now, nine gardeners and some facilities and, and maintenance folks oversee 25 acres of gardens. That's remarkable. So Rebecca, during the drought period, Santa Barbara County is um, known for you know, it's, it's drought conditions. How did you um, tolerate uh, this period of drought? It's a great question and one that goes back in time. Um, 20 years ago, the gardens were struggling a bit. And, and at the mm -hmm. time, the, the director of the gardens and facilities and the crew looked at each other and said, you know, it's, this isn't working anymore. The, our approach to gardening is not effective. And, and it was right when the organic gardening movement was beginning. And they went out and were leaders really in the, the field in terms of experimentation and very quickly decided that this was a, an approach that we needed to take. And so over a longer period of time over over several years they've converted everything we did from hard 
harsh fertilizers and you know chemical treatment to an all organic garden and so for for more than 20 years now we've had what we call our sustainable horticulture program and the reason i mentioned that is it is far more not only climate friendly and, and people friendly, but plant and, and water friendly. So it takes natural resources and, and with the soil enrichment and diversity and health, it holds water in a way that, you know, nutrients just can't um, yes. sink into uh, land that's parched and, and chemical ridden. So we have had much success with that. We have a compost tea program that we run occasionally we do education programs called our compost tea parties where we teach you how to do this at home uh, so look for that but we we really believe in working with um, the benefits of nature we have a man on staff who's been here 30 years corey wells who has transitioned the garden in this direction so we do use well water for our gardens um, but so much less than, than we used to and than we would if we were in um, that kind of now archaic practice of-, of Right. So um, can we um, visit the water garden for a moment? Because that this is Lotus land. And I know if you're uh, one of the lucky people that can visit um, the garden when the lotus flowers are in bloom, it's pretty remarkable, isn't it? It's a sight to behold. Uh, right. Quite like it. Yeah. They've just finished blooming, is haven't they? Summer is their season, so they, yes. depending on the heat and and the conditions that year, usually late June. July is spectacular. We have an event each July. Uh, didn't have it this year because we weren't able to do events. But each other July, we have an event called Lotus Fest, where we celebrate the, the peak of the season. And then Lotusland Celebrates is our big annual fundraiser, which happens at the last Saturday each July. And the lotuses are at their peak. And then they, they taper into September. And yes, by October, we've actually mowed the, the whole water garden back. And they're doing their beautiful regenerative work that that you can't witness while it's happening from above. Yeah, I just found the, um, I found the ponds there so just, I don't know what the right adjective, charming. Um, the trees draping over, the shadows from the trees, the sunlight, and um, the water lilies and lotus flowers, and then the little pavilion um, as a background. It's a, it's, really one of the most special places in in the entire garden i think i i couldn't agree more so i do well, is that your favorite garden. spot in the garden I'll take you there with my my phone because i'm not sure if the wi-fi would sustain us right. but what i do want to encourage people to do is go on our website lotusland.org and there's a gallery there of beautiful images uh you can see us that way we have some Zoom background downloads if you're looking for a backdrop for your next Zoom meeting. We, we also have a, a drone video of flying through Lotus Land that gives you a sense of the place and the, the various gardens. And really, you just need to come visit because there's nothing like being here in no, person. You, yeah. Um, and, and the feeling as you're walking through the garden, your moods change when you go from, I mean, the cactus garden, I was just fascinated walking through the cactus garden and it was a very warm day 
and there's lizards scurrying around and it's just you know there's just life abundance of life there birds and every reptiles everything that you can imagine yeah so, <laughs> you know critters at night right, right watch them you know here and there and it really is it's a it's an abundant and verdant place so um also there was i was also um enchanted by the topiary garden yes so Adjacent to the topiary garden is an astrological clock that lays flat in the ground. At the time Madame designed it, it was the world's largest. She was a collector and, and you know, a lot of the time, like we use Pinterest to get ideas um, and inspiration. She did the same. She had 200 scrapbooks and she would scour, you know, magazines, her travels. She lived internationally of course and Paris and in, in New York and elsewhere and so she collected as she went ideas and put them in these scrap scrapbooks and one of her ideas was this incredible astrological clock surrounded by topiary and so we have um, a really unique again setting and very special collection of whimsical features. Some of them are hard to identify. I think we have a hippopotamus topiary and, uh, you know, um, dolphins and anything you can, can dream of. She, she had created there next to her huge astrological. Yeah. So also, um, one of the other great things about Lotus Land are the programs that you have. You have educational programs. Um, you have programs on sustainability sustainable horticulture you have summer internships we do we do it all and and education of course is is part a big part of our mission and why we exist so we have one core program that we've had for more than 20 years which is for fourth graders and we see more than 3,000 fourth graders each year we invite them as our guests we pay for their transportation they come from northern santa barbara county all the way down to south santa barbara county so we'll we'll actually have some of the kids from santa maria and guadalupe come down on amtrak trains to get here and and once they arrive they are given a special tour a life sciences tour that aligns with their curriculum and then we give them a quiz and let them know that they are now a junior botanist and they have a responsibility to care for the earth and the environment. We gift them a succulent to take home and uh, care for. And it's, it's hard to kill a succulent, which is part of our, <laughs> our master plan. Yeah. So with that program and COVID, we've had to adapt it a bit, but I'm really proud that we've been able to, while well, schools are shut and field trips are off, create a new version of it which we're calling our junior botanist program. And we've created a, an activity guide. So students are able to come with their families and we host them and they lead a, a guided tour for their parents and siblings through this right. activity guide and scavenger hunt. And so, so it's really important. Then of course, as you mentioned, we educate college students, adults, um, lifelong learners, you know, every, right here is informative and educational and, and some of that's formal and some of it's uh, informal. And we should also um, inform our guests that um, Lotus Land is located in a residential community 
and um, so as a result of that, it's, it's necessary to make a reservation so that you can visit. And because of COVID right now, um, reservations are limited to so many people per day. So um, make sure you make a reservation. Thank and, you. Um, Rebecca, I noticed that on your website, I found this really amusing. I think this is so terrific that um, Halloween is coming up in, a, I guess, next week or week or so. And you have an event for kids on Halloween. Tell us a little bit about this, because um, this is something that people can do during the time of COVID, wear your masks, go out, but there are events here. And I think this is a wonderful thing for families. So tell us a little bit about this. So as you know, trick-or-treating is either outlawed or just strongly discouraged because of pandemic. And we want it to be an alternative place and experience for families especially. So we've created two days of tours where people can come through. Again, there'll be a, a scavenger hunt that's light and fun, that's um, all based throughout the garden. And then you're wearing your costume if you choose, which we hope you will. I, I know <laughs> what mine will be. And and get to come and, and do an outdoor kind of exhibit tour through through this magical place. And kids, by the way, adore Lotus Land just as much as adults do. I think, you know, one of the things that's so unique and special and different from most botanic gardens is you you feel like you're in a private estate of course but but you can't quite place where in the world you might be and to to have a space like that that kids can drop into devoid of signage and um, any other architecture buildings it, it really embraces them and and connects them to nature which is so important, important uh, yes during this time with stress and screens and you know, all of the rest of it, just to drop into the garden, it's a refresh and a reset and people leave feeling better than, than they did when they arrived. Yeah, it's like a wonderful therapy session. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so fascinating to hear more about Lotus Land and I, I hope that everybody that's um, listening has enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed visiting with you. Um, how do people, um, tell us what the website is so that people can explore it and plan to make a visit, Rebecca. Thank you. Yes, to visit or join as a member, which we would very much appreciate mm -hmm. well, please come to lotusland.org, www.lotusland.org, and everything you'll need to know is there. The phone number for reservations is 805 969 9990 and uh, we have now new new freedoms with this winter visitation so we mm -hmm. encourage you to come and make a day of it there's a gorgeous community of Montecito and Santa Barbara nearby with dining and um, you know the the beach and everything else within a stone's throw so it's it's really a pleasure um, to to kind of yeah people can make a wonderful day of this the afternoon. Yeah. It's a great way to get out. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us and giving us some background on Lotus Land. I hope um, you'll have a lot of visitors now. I do. Um, and have a wonderful weekend. Coming to bye. see. Okay, bye-bye. I hope everyone enjoyed our little tour of Lotus Land. And I want to tell you next week, or two weeks from now, on November 6th, 
we have a very um, interesting, we're going to be traveling across the country to the East Coast this time. And we're going to be talking with Leslie Jones. Leslie is the chief curator and director of Museum Affairs, the Preservation Society for Newport County, um, Newport County, Rhode Island. And this is the home to some of the great um, estates, such as the Breakers, the Elms, Marble House. These were the summer homes for the Vanderbilts and some of America's great families. And this is going to be a fascinating talk. I know a lot of you have had the opportunity to visit Newport. So please join us when, um, for our visit with Leslie. So we encourage you to share our talks with your friends. You can find us on Instagram or YouTube under Mark Weaver and Associates. And um, we hope you enjoy these visits. So from the wonderful world of design, I'm Mark Weaver and thank you for joining me on Designers at Home. Thank you for listening to Designers at Home. Follow us on Instagram at Mark Weaver and Associates to listen to live or subscribe to this podcast. If you found this podcast valuable and insightful, share it with your friends, comment, and subscribe. We are also on YouTube at Mark Weaver and Associates. Thank you.